1: just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocket fm 24. That's porkbun P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash fm twenty-four. You'll save a
0: dollar on your next domain. All right, Michael, we've officially made it through the month of January. That's that's a big accomplishment, right? Um, yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> 2024. Honestly, it's already off to a fast start, and at least on my
0: end. It seems like that for me too. It just seems like uh, also in general, right? Like a lot's happening in the world and even in the world of tech products. In fact, today we're going to cover the latest news stories first for those uh, product people among us who want to keep tabs on what's current. Um, But then we're going to dig into some of 2024's brand new products that some of us might be interested in. Um, We're going to cover some of the more notable products that were at this year's Consumer Electronics Show, which took place in Las Vegas uh, just earlier in January. All of that after we roll this intro. Before we get into it all, first, let's hear from today's sponsors.
1: Okay, before we get into the best products of this year's CES, we should probably go over the latest news stories that may be relevant to our listeners, don't you think?
0: Yeah, let's do it. I've got two stories uh, to get into, and one of them is actually related to CES and the rest of the episode. But... The first has some political implications, but it's, it's more than that. It's, but it's not just political news. There are deeper implications with tech. In fact, maybe the products we're all managing, too. Okay, yeah, go on. All right, so the New Hampshire Attorney General's office, they're investigating a suspected voter suppression incident involving a robocall that falsely impersonated President Joe Biden. The call was reported by NBC News, among so many other outlets, um, and it advised recipients to not vote in that state's presidential primary, falsely stating that saving their vote for the November election would be more impactful and that participating in the Tuesday primary would actually aid Republicans, potentially leading to Donald Trump's reelection. You can hear this deep fake robocall here. Again, this is not actually President Biden. It sounds like President Biden, but this is a deep fake.
1: It's important that you save your vote for the November election. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. The call concludes with the phone number of Kathy Sullivan, a former New Hampshire Democratic Party chair and supporter of the write-in campaign for Biden, who has denied any involvement. This is a classic deepfake. Through the use of artificial intelligence, it's audio created using convincing speech sentences that sound like specific people saying things they did not say. In this case, it was imitating President Biden.
0: Yeah, and this incident raises just yet another ethical concern when it comes to the use of artificial intelligence. As product people, we might not necessarily be dealing with political campaigns. Uh, Our products may have nothing to do with the participation of democracy. Maybe some of them do, right? But stories like these, they still matter. They absolutely can still impact our work. Uh, Don't you think, Michael?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean there's a lot of new edge cases now and maybe not even edge cases in some in some regards to the technology that we build that we need to consider. We used to be building crud apps, right? And so Everything was kind of straightforward. Uh, there was some complication with user generated content, but now it's our applications that are doing the generating, and thus we're responsible for that output. And this is a perfect example. They use some voice, uh, AI voice technology application to create this and to execute it. Are they responsible? Right? Did did this was this the use case that they wanted their technology being used for? There's a lot of questions that that really do need to be answered. And how do we stop it? How do we regulate this type of activity?
0: Yeah, it's a good point. And a lot of the conversations up until now they've been hypothetical. But here we are, right? Like this is a robocall imitating President Biden. It may have had some implications on that primary. I don't know. You know, I there could have been people that heard that and thought, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't vote. So has real world implications now. And this is the kind of stuff that, you know, before we're saying, hey, what if this happens? Now it's happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, we need to move quick. And I think we need to move faster than we have in the past to really set some guardrails on this because it's going to get wild. um, And I don't think we're going to like the output
0: of it. Well, I have one more news story to share, and this one has to do with physical products. Um, So the early part of the year, you know, it's already been marked with significant product launches within consumer tech. Uh, Both Apple and Samsung, they both introduced notable devices. Um, Apple has initiated pre-sales for its Vision Pro mixed reality headset. Uh, And Samsung unveiled the latest iteration of the Galaxy S series, which is, you know, competitor to the iPhone. Does a lot of sales, a lot of penetration, um, after iPhone, of course. Uh, But maybe one of the most intriguing developments, it comes from a startup which presented its innovative AI-powered hardware, the Rabbit R1 at CES, Consumer Electronics Show. And later in this episode, again, we're gonna cover some of the more notable tech products that were showcased at CES. But this one in particular, I thought it'd be good to call out early. And again, you know, kind of right along the lines of AI in terms of the theme here. Yes, it's definitely relevant. It's the latest AI meets consumer tech. The R1
1: developed in collaboration with Teenage Engineering stands out for its minimalist design and approach to technology contrasting with Apple's Vision Pro, which seems pretty intriguing, but is probably anything but minimalistic. The R1's design ethos seems to resonate more with the expectations of future generations for their technology, prioritizing simplicity and intuitive use over these kind of overwhelming user interfaces.
0: Yeah, and to explain what this thing looks like, the Rabbit R1, it fits in the palm of your hand. It almost looks like a miniature version of a slimmed down retro TV. Like you're you're looking at it, there's a screen there, but kind of looks like a toy TV in a way. But its purpose is to use AI to perform a wide range of smartphone-like functions through natural language queries, including playing music, booking flights, providing directions. Um, Now, there are all sorts of lingering questions about its real world application and the sustainability of the business model, right? Like a lot of people are asking, do we need something like this? Could this be an app? But uh, the R1 has generated a lot of hype and part of it is the price point. It's $199, which is, you know, it's a fraction of the cost of the Humane AI pin, another AI consumer tech product that recently launched. And, um, you know, I think there are still questions like, does the world need a device like this? Could could this be an app? Uh, is Is this a bulked up Siri, but now there's a physical, uh, you know, kind of product that we can wrap our fingers around. Lots of questions, but it's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I'm excited kind of for this this next generation. I feel like, I don't know, to, to be honest, like I buy an iPhone every couple of years, but I, I don't actually do anything new with it. It doesn't feel like it really has advanced in a very long time. Uh, and same with computers. It do, the, I don't feel like even the new devices that I get open up new capabilities for me, but These these new kind of brand of products, they have the potential to do just that. And so I think we're entering this kind of new paradigm, a new exciting uh, time for physical products that can actually start to enhance our lives in new and different ways rather than a lot of the same ways um, that we've been living for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's funny, like for us as product people, you're just in the same way that for the last several years, I've been saying every company is a tech company, right? Like a lot of mm-hmm. the companies that come to my conference <laughs> industry, the product conference, they're not the like latest and hip tech companies. Some of them are, but some of them no. are insurance companies, retailers, fast food companies, but there are people working in tech inside of these companies. So that's why I say every company is a tech company. We're starting to get to the point where every kind of physical product could potentially be an AI product or a tech product, right? Like it, we're going to see examples of this after the break. Um, and maybe we should just pause here then, uh, what we're going to hear from our sponsors. But after this, I think we're going to dive right into some of those new consumer tech products launched at CES and you'll see what I mean. Okay, before the break,
1: we dove into a couple of recent news stories in the world of product and tech. The last one you covered, it involved a product that was recently launched at the Consumer Electronics Show, CES. And it's not the only notable product to be showcased there.
0: Not at all, there were quite a few. And I wish I was there to see them in person. I used to go to CES every year uh, early on in my career. CES, I think it was the first business conference I ever went to, with, you know right out of business school, working at the first company I ever worked for. Uh, so a lot of good memories at CES. Um, in fact, I actually think I met with you in person when I was mm. visiting CES. So um, I have a lot of good memories from it. And um, <laughs> I, a lot of things. First text message I ever got from somebody was while I was at CES. And no anyway, kidding. we've got a lot of products to go over here from CES.
1: Okay, well, let's go over some of these products that stood out this year. Um, Where do you want to start?
0: Well, how about with the Samsung Music Frames? A lot of people might be familiar with the Samsung Frame TV. I actually have one at home. It's a TV that looks like a picture frame, but (laughs) when it's off, you know, when it's powered off, you could revert it to a setting where it looks like a framed piece of art hanging on your wall. Okay, so this Music Frame now, um, how does it work? Well, let's check it out. Uh, We're gonna go to the Engadgets YouTube channel as they reviewed products at CES.
2: Samsung's line of frame TVs, first introduced back in 2017, do a great job of disguising a large screen TV as a piece of art. The Samsung Music Frame does the same thing, but for wireless speakers. Instead of a screen, there's a place to display art or album covers that you swap pretty easily. This wouldn't be noteworthy if the music frame didn't sound good, but in our demo, it did. The music frame includes two woofers, two tweeters, and two mid-range drivers and supports Dolby Atmos. It's also quite the flexible speaker, working on its own in a stereo pair or connected to a TV as part of a bigger home theater setup. It's even wall mountable. We have no price or release date, but given Samsung's success with the frame TVs, We imagine they won't wait long to get the music frame.
1: So is this just like exactly like the Samsung frame
0: TV? It has a screen and everything. So no screen. Um, So imagine Mm. you're looking at a picture frame, but uh, it's deep. It's a lot deeper, maybe almost like a shadow box. But on the front, there is a piece of art, like an actual physical piece of art, and you could take it off. In fact, when you take off that picture behind it, that's where all the speakers are.
1: Ah, OK. So when you're not using the speaker,
0: it doesn't look like an unused speaker. It just looks like a piece of art just on a desk or on a shelf or wherever you might put it right in your living room.
1: OK, yeah, I I can see that working. Just like the Samsung frame. Um, it's also become really popular.
0: Yeah, I mean, we love ours and. I fully realize it's basically an overpriced TV <laughs> that just hangs in our living room with a frame around it, but it looks pretty cool when it's framed and my wife likes it. She wanted one. So the kind of sealed the deal for us. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, no word on the price or release date, but keep an eye out for this Samsung music frame. Okay. So what is
0: next? Okay. Well, I had referenced a TV here and I'm going to cover a brand new TV because There's always brand new TVs at CES, right? But this one's a little different. Let's go back to that Engadget YouTube to learn more.
2: OLED TVs are great. An OLED TV you can see through? Well, that's just wild. The LG Signature OLED T is far from the first transparent TV we've seen at CES, but it is the first that will actually be sold to consumers. This is a 77-inch set with a retractable contrast screen. Keep the filter up and it looks similar to one of LG's standard excellent OLED sets. Bring it down and the image almost looks like it's floating in midair. It's a ridiculous, extravagant, probably unnecessary thing that won't make it into most homes anytime soon. It's also a stunning piece of tech design and just plain cool. So a perfect fit for CES.
0: Wait, so you can see through the TV? Yeah, and it's not the first transparent TV, but this is the first one that we could potentially see in our homes. Okay, yeah, I'm actually still trying to wrap my head around what this thing looks like. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine unless you see it for yourself, but imagine a TV, but in the back there's this screen that sort of goes up and down. And when the screen's up, pretty much looks like a regular flat screen TV, but when mm-hmm. that screen's down you can see through the screen. So imagine if this TV was say it was in the middle of your living room and you're watching a, a singer on a stage. It almost might look like that singer was sort of in your living room. You'd see the rest of your living room behind that singer. It's it's pretty wild actually. Okay, yeah. So I mean, let me
1: ask you, do we do we need a transparent <laughs> TV?
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know, Michael. Do we need most of what we find at CES? (laughs) Probably not, but it's like everything else. You don't know you need it until you need it, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we don't know yet how much one will cost. My bet it's
0: going to be in the tens of thousands, right?
1: Um, So, you know, there's that.
0: Right. Definitely an expensive uh, kind of TV. You won't find it in my house, (laughs) at least not anytime (laughs) soon, but, but still it's pretty cool nonetheless. All right. Um, Let's do one more product before we take a, a short break here, and let's go to a health tech device, specifically the BMO from Withings. Back to the Engadget YouTube for more.
2: There's never a shortage of health and fitness tech at CES, and this year, the veteran company Withings stood out with its $250 BMO multiscope which combines four devices, a body temperature sensor, an electrocardiogram, an oximeter, and a digital stethoscope into one surprisingly light consumer device that promises to make it easier to collect basic health metrics at home. The company's HealthMate app collects all of that data, which can then be sent to doctors quickly with a few taps. Withings is also seeking FDA approvals for the BMO to be able to detect atrial fibrillation in the future. BMO impressed us not only with its versatility and fairly affordable price tag, but also for the potential impact it could have on the telemedicine space. Pending approvals, BMO is expected to launch-
1: Okay, so $250. It looks kind of like a remote control, but it has controls and a lightweight screen, connects with an app where you can keep track of the health data that it's actually
0: collecting. Yeah, and maybe more importantly, it can share that data with your doctor. At least it has the potential to. Yeah, I I think that could be really significant, actually.
1: If, for instance, you had one of these and your doctor was willing to take a look at the data kind of coming in in a seamless way, it may mean that people would be much more open to telehealth first trying to find an in-person doctor's appointment.
0: Yeah, and that's the big thing with health tech, right, is outcomes. And so could this lead to better outcomes? And it might, right? Like if I could get in front of a doctor faster or maybe there's cases where I want to go to a doctor, but it just seems too complicated. It's happened in the past for me, right? Where I've tried to get an appointment, but you know, you can't get in for months or you have to go to a whole other side of town. And then you say, ah, the heck with it and, you know, never mind. But, but what if it was something serious, right? So if you could end up seeing a doctor faster virtually, and they actually have access to your health data. So it's a, a lot more of a useful appointment than if, you know, you were just virtually chatting with them without that data you could have more peace of mind you could you know end up getting better outcomes overall right yeah that's definitely an
1: interesting product I, I like it um so we've got a couple more coming up from CSS right after a quick break okay three products down three more to go
0: Yes, and let's go to the kitchen for this one. And I've got to admit, this one is kind of up my alley. Uh, (laughs) Let's go back to the Engadget YouTube channel.
2: GE Appliances brought the activity indoors with a smart smoker that's also Wi-Fi connected for remote control and monitoring. The device is capable of infusing smoke flavor via wood pellets into foods prepared inside its cooking chamber, as we experienced firsthand this week. There won't be any smoke wafting around your kitchen as the unit captures all of that with its filtration system. If you need to cook while you're away, a unique feature does that and then holds your food at a safe temperature until you're ready to serve.
1: All right, so a smart
0: smoker in your kitchen. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting this one, uh, but why not, right? Like usually (laughs) smoking amazing barbecue brisket or ribs, it would require you to be outside tending meat over offset coals. But we've seen electric smokers. I have one of those. Um, even mm. app-enabled smokers. Why not a smart smoker that actually allows you to smoke right from your kitchen? And I assume, like, you're not filling up your kitchen with smoke. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which which is amazing, right? Like, uh, all of that for $699. That's the price point. It's a countertop appliance that kind of looks like an oversized toaster oven. Um, I'd need to see huh. it. You know, myself in person to really get a feel for it, but it uses wood pellets. Um, actually, it takes just a fraction of those pellets from the amount needed for an outdoor smoker, and it literally infuses smoke into the food that you're cooking.
1: Okay. Now, you're a bit of a barbecue aficionado. Does <laughs> this look like something you'd use?
0: I mean, Look, I have a smoker already. Actually, I actually have two smokers. I have a charcoal <laughs> smoker, you know, kind of the old school, you know, it's a charcoal grill with a side smoke box. Um, but I also have an electric smoker, which is better for wintertime here in Cleveland. I'm mm. probably not going to be outside smoking all day when it's like 30 degrees out and it's snowing. Um, would I use this? I, probably, right? Like, I I don't know um, if it would it wouldn't replace my old school, like, tried and true smoker, but... Um, you know, in the wintertime, maybe I would go with something like right from my kitchen versus the outdoor electric smoker. I'd at least try it. I'd at least see like what it was like and see how it
1: goes. I mean, I bet you never knew you needed three different kinds of smokers, did you?
0: Again, you know, you don't know you need something until you <laughs> need it, right? Um, all right. Well, let's see what else we've got. Uh, what is the next product we're going to cover here for from CES?
1: How about a smart home generator, the Delta Pro Ultra and the Smart Home Panel 2 from EcoFlow. We're gonna cut to the Verge's YouTube channel for this one.
3: Enter the Delta Pro Ultra, a whole home battery generator and its pal, the Smart Home Panel 2. With these two gadgets, you can keep the lights on when the power goes out and the system can intelligently manage the loads in your home to help save you money and energy. There are a few similar options on the market today and they're all excellent systems. But what I really like about the EcoFlow is that it's really simple to install. You just need an electrician to hook it up. And it can also double as a portable generator so you can power your RV or off-grid cabin in the woods. It's also modular so you can start small and slightly more affordably and build up to a whole home power management solution. This is a real shift in what's possible for home energy management making it easier and more practical. Something everyone can benefit from.
0: Okay, so the smart home panel looks like an electrical panel. The Delta Pro Ultra kind of looks like an electronic cart of sorts. Like, do you remember playing like scooter hockey in gym class? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That little scooter you sit on, that's kind of what that looks like, except you can stack these batteries on top of it. And when you pair it with the solar panels, technically
1: you can have the potential to power your entire home one day for every hour of solar charging.
0: Yeah. So if you're trying to become less resilient of the grid, so to speak, or or you want to bring your power with you, maybe outside the home, say for tailgating for the day, you can. It's pretty versatile in that regard.
1: And it's not as expensive as you think, like one solar panel, one inverter, one battery all together costs about 7K. Now, you may need more power to do your like entire home, um, but- you'll have an electrician to help you set it all up, install everything. And honestly, that's a lot less than I expected it would be.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you could sort of look at this as a backup power source, right? Like that's how I would look at it. Mm. Um, But you're buying peace of mind knowing that, hey, if anything does happen and all of a sudden you're without power for days, you've got something to help you along the way.
1: Yeah. Okay. One last product to cover from CES. And this is the smallest one of all that we're covering, the EV Smart Ring. Uh, let's go back to The Verge's YouTube channel for this one.
4: So smart rings, there were a ton of them at CES this year, but my pick for best wearable is the EV Ring by Mavano. It's a smart ring that's geared towards women's health. The design is very clever. It's got an open gap at the top. So when you are bloated or you're hormonal or your fingers are just swollen for whatever reason, it's going to be easy to take off cuz like look, it's not it's not coming off, right? The other thing that I really like about Movano is how dedicated they are to accuracy. The bonkers thing is that they don't actually need FDA clearance for the features on the ring. They're kind of flexing and saying, "Hey, we're so accurate that everything that we have meets FDA standards. You can trust us." Accuracy is pretty important for health tracking so i'm super excited to get so
0: a health tracking ring um, we've seen those but one that actually looks good it's comfortable to wear and is accurate which can be an issue for a lot of health rings yeah that's probably the biggest selling point here right but that combined with the form factor the comfort the look and design it hits all the marks and for 269 dollars no subscription needed doesn't really break the bank either
1: yeah well Those were six products from CES. It gives you a glimpse of what we may find on our store shelves in the coming
0: months. Yeah, and it's kind of making me want to get back to CES next year, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that would be pretty fun, actually. I wouldn't mind going back to Vegas. It's my old stomping ground.
0: Yeah, well maybe we'll have to make that happen in the future. Maybe we could right. do a live Rocket Ship episode there sometime. <laughs> um I don't know, but it's gonna wrap things up for today. So for Michael Saka, I'm Mike Belcito, and this is Rocketship.fm.